DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's word and apply his message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. This is part two of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study series lecture on the biblical account of the multiplication of the loaves. This is one of only two miracles spoken of in all four Gospels. Number one, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and number two, the multiplication of the loaves. When we left off last time, we heard a prophecy from the Old Testament prophet Baruch about when the Messiah comes. It was taken from a non-canonical book called Second Baruch at chapter 29, verse 8. And it shall come to pass at that same time that the treasury of manna shall again descend from on high, and they shall eat of it in those years, because these are they who have come to the consummation of time. Let's join Sharon Doran in the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study for part two of the Multiplication of the Loaves. And he ordered the crowds to sit on the grass. Now there's grass. That means it's springtime. And John tells us that it's Passover. The Passover, the festival of the Jews was near. That means unleavened bread. That means in the Jewish synagogue in the Holy Land, the Jews would have been reading the Passover lectionary which means they were reading Exodus chapter 12 about the first Passover when that was instituted. And God told them to put the blood of the lamb above their doors and mark their doorposts so they would be protected by the blood of the lamb and they were to share a meal inside the house. And they put a cup in the center of the table for the prophet Elijah because they were expecting him to return on a Passover to herald the coming of the Messiah, okay? So they're waiting for Elijah, while the new Elijah has just been beheaded. And the Passover feast centered on the Paschal lamb, which was a sacrificial lamb, a male without blemish, with no broken bones, even after death. And John the Baptist, first time he saw Jesus, he said, here he is, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is, behold the Lamb. Go to him. And St. Paul said that our Paschal Lamb, Christ, has been sacrificed. So Jesus, Yeshua, the blemish-free male Lamb of God, has come. It's Passover time. Jesus is taken down from the cross without the breaking of his legs, which is customary with crucifixions, because if they broke the legs, the criminal would die faster. It was an act of mercy to break their legs. But... Jesus' legs were never broken. Psalm 34 says, he keeps all their bones. Not one of them will be broken. It was predicted. John 19 says, when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they did not break his legs. 
Instead, a soldier pierced his side with a spear, and at once, blood and water came out. Zechariah had predicted that they will look on the one they have pierced. They didn't break any bones, but they pierced his side. Also at Passover, they would break matzah at the Passover meal for the last course, the dessert. They would take three matzahs on a plate. Matzahs are unleavened bread because they were in a hurry leaving Egypt. Symbolically, they put three stacked on top of each other. What do the three symbolize? The visitors Abraham had at the Oaks of Mamre, remember back in Genesis 18, when the Lord appeared to Abraham, and what did the Lord look like? Three persons. Hmm. <laughs> Jesus, they don't know this yet. Rublov shows the two fingers for Jesus. He has a dual nature. He's fully man and fully God. See his two fingers. So they take these three matzah. They don't know what they're doing like we do, but they take these and stack them, and they take the middle one out, the second one, the second person of the Trinity, and they break him in half. This is, this is at the end of the Passover meal. And they call it the afikomen, which means to them the dessert. But in Greek, afikomen means that which comes after or the coming one, or he who has come. Huh. <laughs> they take that second matzah, break it in half, and wrap it in a linen napkin. Huh. The second one is wrapped in a linen napkin. We know they wrapped his body of the second one in a linen burial garment. And they hide him, and they look for him all night. The little kids run around the house looking for the afikomen. The middle broken matzah symbolizes to the Jews humility, and it will be eaten later, the final course, the dessert. It will be eaten as the bread of poverty, so they never forget. Jesus is the humble bread of poverty that was broken for us. Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not think equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, took the form of a slave, being found in human likeness. And he said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. But this bread that comes from heaven, this comes so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is for the life of the world. It's my flesh. And they hide that second person in a white linen napkin. And they hide him. And they look 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 until they find him. And it's a game. Only two miracles that all four evangelists have. Jesus is the afikomen. Don't set a cup for Elijah. Elijah's come. Don't run around looking for the afikomen. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm right under your nose for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. I'm hiding in plain sight. You know that when something's right under your nose, hiding in plain sight and we don't see it? I'm hiding in plain sight. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. He said some prayer like this, because this is originally a Jewish prayer. Through your goodness, we have this bread to offer. 
which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of heaven, the bread of life. And he gives thanks. Then he took the loaf. This is Luke 22 when he institutes the Eucharist. He took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, again, he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in memory of me. This is my body. He looks up to heaven. He gives thanks, even though John the Baptist has been beheaded, even though he knows that he's going to die. He still gives thanks to the Father. How thankful are we when we receive him in the Eucharist? It will become for us the bread of life. He will become for us the bread of life, the bread of angels. Taking the five loaves of the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. He gave the bread to the disciples, and the disciples gave the bread to the crowd. Hmm. Usually, women in Scripture serve the food, like Mary and Martha. Martha was so distracted. Tell her to help me. Jesus, she's so distracted. She has many things. (laughs) Many things to serve. Women, you know how Thanksgiving dinner was. And he heals Peter's mother-in-law so she can immediately get up and start serving the men, serving them food. But this time, usually women serve food, but this time there's 5,000 to feed, probably 20,000 with the women and children. But he gives it to the disciples, and the disciples give the bread to the crowd. What's this about? Why don't the women jump up and help? We're good at that. Why do only the disciples distribute? It's a big group to feed. Why don't the women help serve the food? It will become for us the bread of life. Jesus is forming a new priesthood. When he's gone, who's going to bless and make the food? By the power of the Holy Spirit in the epiclesis, at the moment of transubstantiation, it'll be the new priesthood in the order of Melchizedek. This miracle prefigures Eucharist big time, huge time. Only the disciples, the new priesthood, will distribute the bread of life. Pope John Paul says, one must not forget the primary office of priests who have been consecrated by their ordination to represent Christ, the priest. For this reason, their hands, like their words, and their will have become the direct instruments of Christ. Through this fact, that is, the ministers of the Holy Eucharist, they have a primary responsibility for the sacred species because it is a total responsibility. They offer the bread and wine. They consecrate it, and then they distribute the sacred species to the participants in the assembly who wish to receive them. You know when there's a holy priest giving you Jesus. Deacons can only bring to the altar the offerings of the faithful, and once they have been consecrated by the priest, the deacons can distribute them. Deacons and priests are ordained ministers in the church. They lay down their lives. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. A single grain dies. It's multiplied into many grains to feed the entire world grain that's ground into flour, because for Catholics, matter matters. We can't use Oreo cookies for Eucharist. It must be water and wheat, canon law. Nuns often, as a means of supporting themselves, make the communion wafers. This is beautiful, because do you know where the communion wafer comes from? That we just go through the line, 
These ladies have given their lives, their entire lives, to bake Eucharistic hosts. This is a nun in Ellisville, Missouri. She makes hosts all day long. Unleavened bread, cloistered nuns, they never get to come to Mass with people and see the work of their hands being given to the people, but they still say they feel very much part of it. Here are Polish nuns preparing communion hosts. Here are Cistercian cloistered nuns. This order makes 12 million hosts every single year. That's all these women do. They lay down their entire lives to make our hosts so we can have Jesus on our tongue. We don't even know they're doing this. They bake once a week and all the other days they're packaging and counting and mailing and shipping all over the world. The world host means victim, hostia from the Latin. It means victim. The original word for the sacrificial animal came to be applied to Jesus himself. Through his death on a cross, by giving his life for men, he became the hostia, the sacrificial lamb. Matter matters. It's wheat and water. C.S. Lewis says, did you, I'm going to paraphrase this, but he's talking about, did you ever want to be one of your toys? Did you ever like want to be a tin soldier? But he says, what would you have done about, if you were a tin soldier, I don't know, but what, what about God, what he did for us? The second person in God, the son, became human himself, was born into the world an actual man, a real man of particular height with hair of a particular color, speaking in a particular language, weighing so many stone. The eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that, a baby, and before that, a fetus inside a woman's body. If you want to get the hang of it, think of how you would like to be a slug or a crab. You want to be a slug? <laughs> Jesus, God of the universe, humbles himself. You want to be a slug? Think about how it would be to be a slug. At least a slug is alive. It's a living being. Jesus goes lower than a slug for us. He becomes ground up flour. It's not even alive. He becomes an unleavened wheat wafer. Not even living. He becomes the bread of life. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. Now, there's another miracle, and I have to tell you about this one. There's another miracle. It's not a mistake. It really happened. It's in two of the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, and it's seven loaves, and Jesus feeds 4,000 people. What's this about? In those days, when they were, again, there was a great crowd, and he, uh, they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples and said, I have compassion for the crowd because they've been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. So on the third day... He's going to do another big miracle. For three days he was in the tomb. For three days they have been with him with nothing to eat. And later on in this chapter, the disciples can't figure this out. It's like a big riddle. And listen to this. And becoming aware about it, Jesus said to them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full did you collect? And they said, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets of broken pieces did you collect? And they said to him, seven. And then he said to them, get it? Do you not understand? You guys get it? You got it, right? Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, it took me a long time to figure it out. And by the grace of the Holy Spirit, um, there were five loaves versus seven loaves. These two miracles. 5,000 were fed and 4,000 were fed. Don't you get it? <laughs> Do you have ears? But don't you understand what he's doing? Well, he keeps going across the sea. Okay, and, and he immediately got in the boat with the disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. Now, Dalmanutha, and in Matthew's account, it says that he went to um, Magadan. Now, Magadan and Dalmanutha are the same up there, but they've come across the sea. So look what's on the other side. Gerasenes. Remember where we were last week with the Gerasene demoniac? That's Gentile country, and they've come back across. So one of these miracles is in Jewish territory, and the other feeding is in Gentile territory. And what's the difference? What's the difference? Five loaves and 12 baskets left, 5,000 fed, seven loaves and 4,000 fed, seven baskets left. What's it mean? Five loaves is the Jewish side, and they have the Torah, and it's five scrolls of the Torah, five books. That's the Jewish side. Seven loaves. The Gentiles are going to come into covenant perfection. Seven, the perfect covenant number, because Messiah is here. Now, 5,000 are fed, 4,000 are fed. Five, four. Torah, five. Four, all directions, all ordinals, north, south, east, west, all. Messiah is for all, not just the Jews, for all. He promised Abraham a worldwide blessing. Your seed will bless all the nations, Abraham. Twelve baskets were left. Seven baskets were left. Twelve reordered tribes of Israel. Twelve apostles, a new priesthood. Seven baskets are left. Covenant perfection for all. All nations will be blessed through Abraham's seed, through this new priesthood in the order of Melchizedek, the one who blessed Abraham, a new priesthood, a Catholic priesthood. Five loaves versus seven loaves. Add the two miracles together. How many loaves? Twelve. Guess how many loaves of shoe bread were in the temple right next to the Holy of Holies? Always setting on the table were twelve loaves of bread. Guess what they called it? The bread of the presence. And on Passover, it was Jewish tradition in the Talmud that the priest, once a year, would take that table of bread outside to the people and hold it up with the 12 loaves of the bread of the presence on it. And they would yell out, Behold God's love for you. Behold God's love for you. Once a year, they got to see the bread of the presence. It always had to be there. The Levite priest would bake all the time and always have 12 fresh loaves of bread, shoe bread, right outside the Holy of Holies, the bread of the presence. Behold God's love for you. Seven plus five is 12. 12 loaves, 12 restored tribes of Israel. A new priesthood, Jesus Christ, the new high priest. He will be the bread of the presence. He will be the living bread from heaven. If you eat him, you will live forever. He promised. Behold God's love for you. Behold God's love for you. 
friends, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a delight to open up God's Word with you. God's Word is powerful, and God's Word is true. In the uncertainty of the world, we can always stand on God's Word. Paul told the Ephesians to put on their armor against the evil one every single day. The soldiers of Christ have one offensive weapon in their hand. That weapon is a sword, and that sword is the Word of God. It is a double-edged sword that can cut to the quick of the heart. It exposes thoughts and actions. It is powerful. There is one who does not want you to know the truth of God's Word, and it is his oldest tactic in the book to undermine God. God's truth. He wants us to doubt God's word. He wants us to question it. And he'd be very happy if we completely forgot about it altogether. He is a liar and the father of all lies. His name is Lucifer. He's a fallen angel. He has a legion of other fallen angels called demons. They prowl the world seeking the ruin of souls. We must know God's word because it's our offensive weapon against Satan and his demons. Satan knows God's word very well. He used God's own word in trying to deceive Jesus himself when he was sent out to the desert for 40 days to battle against Satan. But Satan misquoted scriptures to Christ. But Christ is the word, and he is soon to defeat Satan. He's on to his deception. Christ will not be tricked by the evil one. Neither will we if we know God's word and stand firm on it. Let's listen to this ancient hymn, Sing My Tongue, the Savior's Glory. It's written by St. Thomas Aquinas for the Solemnity of Corpus Christi, and this hymn is considered to be one of the most beautiful of Thomas Aquinas' hymns and one of the great seven hymns of the Church. It goes like this, Sing my tongue, the Savior's glory. Of his flesh the mystery sing. Of the blood, all price exceeding, shed by our immortal King. Destined for the world's redemption from a noble womb to spring. Of a pure and spotless virgin born for us on earth below. He, as man with man conversing, said the seeds of truth to sow. Then he clothed in solemn order, wondrously, his life of woe. On the night of that last supper... Seated with his chosen band, he, the paschal victim eating, first fulfills the law's command, then, as food to his apostles, gives himself with his own hand. Word made flesh the bread of nature, by his word to flesh he turns, wine into his blood he changes, what though sense no change discerns, only be the heart in earnest, faith her lesson quickly learns. Therefore, we, before it bending, this great sacrament adore. Types and shadows have their ending in the new rite evermore. Faith, our outward sense amending, maketh good defects before. Honor, laud, and praise addressing to the Father and the Son. My describe we virtue blessing and eternal benison. Holy Ghost, from both progressing, equal laud. To thee be done. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me in this study of God's word that we may know, that we may know and trust and believe God's word. God's word is Jesus. Jesus is truth. If you know the word, you know the truth. Always seek truth. Always seek Jesus. 
always read the word and take it to heart. It is his love letter to you. Until we meet again, keep seeking truth. You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant, either online or in a classroom setting, of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Dorans.